Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective. Uh, it's our second podcast this week. If you get a chance, um, maybe take a listen to our first pod that uh, Andrew Hahn and I uh, experimented with earlier this week, uh, going through um, the uh, the Lakers' home opener um, with LeBron, LeBron's first game uh, at home with the uh, with the fight and everything. We did a real time audio documentary where we went through the night doing interviews as the game unfolded. Uh, it was up earlier this week. You may want to check that out. But joining us from Boston. Uh, well, Jackie and I were both in Los Angeles just like 24 hours ago, but now we're not. But Jackie uh, McMullen in Boston, um, in Los Angeles a couple uh, nights ago at a Laker game. We'll talk about that uh, in a minute. And joining us from Houston, Texas, where he'll be going to the Jazz Clippers game tonight. I'm sorry. This is why am I living in 2017, 2016? The Jazz Rockets game. My God, what's going on with me? I keep forgetting what these guys play. But no Chris Paul. No Chris Paul. He will not be there because he is suspended. Is Timothy Band McMahon. No upgrade this week, so no shout-out to the hotel. Oh, good. Good for you. Hold the line. (laughs) Hold the line. Um, So uh, Rajon Rondo, uh, not that I want to trace old ground, but, you know, Rondo – had some things to say uh, yesterday about Chris Paul. And Chris Paul's been around for a long time. We've all dealt with Chris Paul. And Rondo, you know, first off, he accused the Rockets of tampering with evidence. Um, I, I don't know if that means that he thinks that they ins- installed the he like uh, installed the spit coming out of his mouth. Yes, special effects. The special. You know, some teams have analytics departments. The Rockets have a special effects department. Right. right. But he accused him of tampering with evidence, and then he basically said that Chris Paul is a fake good teammate, and in fact he is a bad teammate. Uh, and then uh, Big Baby Davis backed him up, uh, having played with, with both Rondo and Chris Paul. Said uh, Chris Paul was a bad teammate. Um, to me, this is kind of like that Spider-Man thing on Twitter, which Jackie wouldn't know because mm-hmm. she's not on Twitter, where it's uh, basically uh, two guys who are very much alike accusing each other of the same thing. Um, the difference between Rondo and Chris Paul is that Chris Paul, I think, really maintains a certain... Um, image? Uh, image. That's a well way to put it. And... And Rondo does not care. And you could see it in their actions after the fight where Rondo just turned and walked off the court. And Chris Paul um, went over to the uh, broadcast table and told everybody um, that, uh, that, that Rondo had started it by spitting on him. But um, they are very much alike. They are point guards who are fierce competitors who hold their teammates to an incredibly high standard. And if they don't think their teammates are performing, they will. they are not afraid to tell them. Um, what did you guys, uh, well, first off, Jackie, what'd you make of what Rondo, uh, you know, Rondo, what'd you make of what he had yep. to say? Well, I think he just didn't like the way the uh, barometer was, t- was going, uh, that there was too much love for Chris Paul and the idea that, that he spit or didn't spit spit gate. I just love it. Um, I, I, you know, I think that's where, that's what set him off. And, uh, he has a complex about the media. I think he thinks the media is always against him. Which really, honestly, wasn't true. Maybe it's true at times, but only when he deserves it. I mean, clearly the video showed that spittle came out of his mouth. Now, I, I guess we could, I, I can buy the fact that perhaps, uh, you know, you had the mouth guard in, whatever, if you want to do that. But, um, you know, to me, this, that's all fine. You know, you can question Chris Paul, but when you start saying, well, he's a really bad teammate, well, you never played with him. Okay? Number one. And we know that this is a narrative that we've heard before about Chris Paul, certainly. When, uh, when he left the Clippers, there were plenty of people that weighed in on it. J.J. Redick, Doc, others. And Rondo's on a, I can tell you this, he's on a, a text chain with Big Baby, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, 
Doc Rivers, and I think maybe Tony Allen might be on there. And the reason I know this wow. is because because Ray <laughs> Allen isn't on it, and that was always mm-hmm. that seemed to be pertinent at you know various. Times I got I got to believe there's quite a few text chains that Rondo is on that Ray Allen is not on. That's correct. That is correct. It's I, if if they ever get on a text chain together, we've got a story. So <laughs> I think what what he did here unintentionally, perhaps, is you know suggested that hey, I know more. And then of course, Big Baby chimed in. But Big Baby had two really bad. Uh, years with the Clippers where he was out of shape and had some personal issues that he was contending with. So I don't think he was a very good teammate either. Okay. Well, and Big Baby, you know, look, Doc Rivers didn't love him. And I mean, Rondo, or I'm sorry, Chris Paul rubbing some teammates the wrong way. It's, it's not like Rondo broke news there. I mean, yeah, everybody is, right. has, has known that rep. I, you know, I wrote a story last year where Rondo addressed it. Like he, if if he doesn't think you're holding up your end, he's not going to be a great teammate. Sometimes he goes to extremes, but Rondo didn't punch him. You know that thing didn't start because he was sticking up for teammates of CP3's past. So it's like a completely irrelevant kind of tangent that he went off on. Um, yeah, entertaining, uh, but completely irrelevant. And it's like. You know, I mean, CP3's worthiness as a teammate had nothing to do with Rondo spitting on him and then punching him in the face. Well, I just think this is um, so remarkable that uh, two guys actually landed a punch, which we don't see every day, but that it's very clear that this is not over. Um, oh, no, no. And- and they're Western Conference uh, teams. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the schedule. I assume they play four times. This, I, don't, I know it's December 13th, the next one here in Houston. And yeah. as you pointed out uh, on, on Twitter, this thing goes back at least a decade. You know, this goes back to Team USA. And then there's the, the classic story of, of Rondo telling uh, the Celtics PR guy to inform the media, you know, a, a decade ago that he wouldn't take questions about Chris Paul. What, what was the quote now? Uh, or or ever, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so I don't, but I don't know if something happened before 2008. I just know that in 2008. Um, so it's it's a it's a very it's a it's a it's an Olympic team that everybody wanted to make. Um, not only because it was the redeem team and it was sort of the new style of USA basketball with Shashevsky, but it was in China. And all these guys were focused on their brands and it was going to be this big event. And I mean, LeBron, for example, spent two years building up his, um, his sort of runway to, uh, to, to do all kinds of shoe stuff with Nike there. And Rondo thought he had made the team. He, he, I, sh- I shouldn't say he thought he made it. He, I think had been told he was safe and wasn't going to get cut. And they got down to the end and they were trying to make a decision. This is what I've been told by somebody who was with USA basketball. And they knew that Chris Paul was going to be, you know, one of their team leaders. And they were like, um, you know, Rondo's a borderline player. Uh, and we, we don't think if we took Chris and Rondo for the next month together that things would go well. So part of the reason why they cut him was that they was a personality thing. I don't think like it was like, oh, Chris couldn't stand him. I think they were just trying to be proactive. Um, but. Somehow, I think Rondo kind of felt like Chris Paul got him knocked off the team. That's not the way it was described to me. But I think that is a big uh, initial uh, thing where this started, based to my knowledge. I can't speak, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe. So what you're saying is Rondo's mad that he didn't get the chance to be Chris Paul's teammate. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> apparently. Uh, I don't think uh, that would uh, be an issue anymore. I'll tell you one thing, though. The one that's going to benefit from this is Rondo. Because he thrives on being an agitator. And he thrives on being... Mm-hmm. Uh, he does. And he learned it from KG. Yeah. And so he, this, this favors him. Advantage Rondo for the next time they play. Because Chris Paul doesn't have time to deal with this. He's got a team that's contending for the championship. And he needs to focus on that. And they're off to a you know less than... As so many teams are, by the way. The list is quite long. Mm-hmm. So this benefits Rondo. It just does. And that's... One of the reasons he does things like this. And then one of the reasons KG, whenever, remember the whistle blow and a guy took a shot, he'd always jump up and grab it. They're agitators. And it's what gets them going. It's what, it's what fuels them. Yeah, you well, see Rondo's of, antics on the free throw line where he's like trying to give right. guys five when they, when they miss or like take the ball, rub it oh, on yeah. his forehead. Or but the time, you know, oh, yes. 
Like the time when he took the free throw, but he but he juked it. He pumped fake yeah. the free throw. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. But that's but him. You, but you're saying it benefits him the next time they play. Now you know who this does not benefit at all is Luke Walton, who we've talked about probably has the toughest coaching job in the league right now. They're undefeated. He's got you know two of his better players uh, suspended now while he's trying to work in this mismatched roster. And by the way, also in a really awkward spot. LeBron, his new teammate, is feuding with one of his best friends, <laughs> and they're winless. It's a mess out there with the Lakers. Well, LeBron has the ability on this one. He was just—he was literally not involved in this at all, other than pulling. It was actually yeah. kind of funny. Um, so there's a there's a security guard um, who I would not mess with for a tenth of a second. Um, I think he was in the FBI at one point. I don't know for sure, but uh, let's just put it this way. I wouldn't mess with for a tenth of a second. And he has been the security guard for LeBron in Miami, and then he came to Cleveland, and now he's in Los Angeles, and there's a reason why. Um, because LeBron empirically trusts him, and the guy is great at his job. And it was funny that you know when the security deployed onto the court – uh, at the moment, all these security guards came flying out. By the way, can I say this, uh, McMahon? Um, James Harden, uh, he has two guys that flank him at all times. Is no, that right? No, just, just one. Yeah, just I thought one. there were two, I thought there were two no. guys in, He's, uh, uh, in LA. He actually, well, there might have been, there might have been another one in LA the other night, but no, just, just one on a regular basis. Okay. Well, he, he had a, he had an ent- a security entourage the other night. Uh, also, I, I want to say that, um, well, you Harden, PJ Tucker is one. Well, no, I didn't, but he might as well be. Um, by the way, it, so I went to, to rocket scans on, on successive nights, Saturday night and Sunday night. And the difference in the uh, attire that the players decided to wear from one night to the next was, Yes. Um, you know, James <laughs> the, Harden. The good came stuff in comes and, out for the Lakers. Yes. And they, it was a national TV game yeah, and everything. Uh-huh. And, uh, J, you know, what the guys were wearing, James especially, from night to night. But anyway, the security guard, um, as soon as they deploy, he immediately goes to LeBron on the court. <laughs> Even though LeBron wasn't getting punched and everything, his job is to protect 23. And I get it. Meanwhile, um, uh, LeBron is pulling Chris to protect Chris. <laughs> so we've got LeBron protecting Chris and the security guard protecting LeBron. Two Lakers basically protecting Chris Paul while everybody else is out there. Um, but I, right, LeBron right. has plausible deniability in this, uh, Jackie, because, you know, he wasn't really involved in any of this. I don't think it's, I, I know it's sort of a delicious storyline, but I don't think he's got to like choose between Rondo and Paul. I, I don't really think. Of course not. Of course not. But I will say this, that, he could have pulled Chris Paul away. Everybody would have understood that they are good friends. But it, that bro hug, that bro, let me putting his arm around long. his shoulder. Yeah, too long. Well, Brian. They put his Bad arm around look. his shoulder. If I'm if I'm Luke Walton, I'm saying to LeBron, like, I get it. He's your buddy. We got you. I get it. You want to defuse it, but do do we, you guys have to have like a, you know a cocktail together at center court? Well, you know Tim too that in L.A. right now, everything LeBron does is being oh. compared to Kobe. So they were like, Kobe would never, you know, put his arm around a, you know, player's shoulder he was playing against. Yeah, well, and, and Rondo. But by the way, that's correct. <laughs> that is correct, <laughs> by true. the way. That's true. Rondo's not the kind of guy who would uh, have some, you know, pettiness and, and hold a grudge about something weird like that, would he? Never. Never. I'm sure he didn't even <laughs> see it. Um, meanwhile, there was a uh, lot of reaction amongst the Laker families to – and the, the Rockets families to um, to the action that happened with Rondo's girlfriend and uh, and Chris Paul's wife, um, because Chris Paul's wife was sitting with LeBron's family, uh. and Rondo's girlfriend came over and confronted her in the Lakers sort of section, which is one of the reasons why that went down. So, um, Gee, I don't want to focus on that, but. <laughs> don't think that that factor isn't relevant in that world. Um, I'll talk about the Rockets in a minute, uh, Tim. But um, Jackie, you were at the game the other night, this Lakers game, where they lost. Now, Luke Walton after the game, he hasn't been fined yet, but I would assume by the time this podcast oh, yeah, posts he that he'll, sure. he'll be fined. What do we want to say, 25000 35000 25000 I think it's going to be 25000 Um I find it interesting 
that he criticized the officials on a night when the officials completely bailed out LeBron James because LeBron called a timeout with no timeouts. Um, And he... You know, the, the Lakers have had no problem lying uh, on camera this last week, like Luke Walton looking at the cameras and saying, Rondo didn't spit. And um, LeBron saying after the game, I didn't call timeout. Well, I guess maybe I didn't see his lips. I don't know if he actually said the words timeout, but it was very clear he had signaled T over the top yes, of his head. Very he absolutely high. did. Yeah. And the officials, maybe they didn't see it. But on a night when they got away with that, I don't think it was a good time to complain about the officiating. Secondly, and I don't mean to sound like Kevin Pelton here, but I'm not so sure how strong Luke Walton's case is. LeBron is actually getting more calls than normal. His free throw rate, and I, and I, I will tell you that talking about a free throw rate three games into the season is a little bit ludicrous. But Crazy, right. I might as well, since I want to make a point. His free throw rate over the first three games is the highest it's been in three in five years. If he, if, if the season ended today, I know it sounds ridiculous, but he, he's getting more calls than he has, and he's getting way more calls than he did the last couple years. So um, while I'm not saying that there weren't times when he got hit and didn't get called, guess what? DeMar DeRozan got knocked to the ground three or four times and didn't get called that game. And I just think, um, Jackie, that them complaining about the officiating is sort of um, rearranging the deck chairs considering what else this team has challenged right now. But, but I think you're missing what he was doing, Brian. I, I don't think it was about LeBron at all. And, and you're right, LeBron. He, there was one call that they highlighted, of course, because they did miss the reach in on LeBron. But remember what he said: "I know they're young. I get it." So this was him backing up Kuzma, Lonzo, Josh Hart, those players, and because they're trying to penetrate and be aggressive in the basket. So I looked it up. the uh, The team that uh, gives up the most free throws so far again, it's a small sample, is the Washington Wizards. They give about an average of twenty seven free throws a game. The Lakers are next to last, giving up an average of twenty five free throws a game. So they are fouling more than other teams. Now, where they lie in terms of how, how often they go to the line, I don't have it in front of me, but I think they're 24th in the league. So they're not getting well, as many calls. I think that's just Luke's way of deflecting, deflecting mm-hmm. another tough loss. And let's keep on point. And, and hey, guys, I got your back. We're going to get through this. Something good's going to happen. I really believe that's it as much as anything. Andrew, I want you to be honest with me here. How many Mega Millions tickets did you buy? Uh, three hundred dollars worth. What? Oh. What's the right answer? Is a hundred dollars? <laughs> five dollars. Um, five dollars. Good job. Good job. Um, okay. Andrew. Thanks. Uh, I'm gonna have to go ahead and declare that is not smart. Um, oh. but do you know what? Do you know what is smart, Andrew Han? What? Uh, going to ZipRecruiter.com/slash/collective to hire the right person. Because, you know, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. A way more efficient strategy than buying lottery tickets. It's powerful matching technology, scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job. I don't mean your job, Andrew. I mean the job that you have. Although, we may need to reevaluate after your lottery spending. It actively invites them to apply so that you get qualified candidates fast. That's why ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. And this rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. In case you don't know how to spell that, it's C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E. What am I talking about? We have one of the smartest listening audiences on the ESPN pod spectrum. Uh, that's what producer Anthony told me. It could be a lie. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. ZipRecruiter.com slash collective. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire Andrew Hahn, not the smartest lottery player. Would would it have been smarter if I spent more money on Mick? I don't I'm Absolutely. not really sure. You what... No, you, you should have had a system. Did you have, did you, it was computer generated numbers or did you generate your own numbers? Yes, it was computer generated in that I did quick picks for everything. 
Okay, good. I think that's the way to go because if no other reason, then you don't want to hold up the line. The other thing he's he's pointing out about their points in the paint. He goes, we got 70 points in the paint. We're not getting the right. line. That's um, one of those loyally things that you could say is accurate but not true. Because mm-hmm. the Lakers are um, such a great fast break team, they get a lot of uncontested paint points. Um, just looking at the volume of paint scoring – um, and saying, well, you know, it, it's, you know, the, the pain scoring versus the other team is not equal. So I invalidate that, uh, as well. Well, you know what? Also, you, you, they like to get out and run, like you say. It doesn't happen often enough. But the other thing is, and it's the oldest adage, if you're a young player, you're not getting this call that the veterans get. It's, that's the oldest adage there is. And I think that's what Luke may have been referring to. Um, He's got other problems so me- besides that. Let's be real on it. They're the worst uh, defensive yeah. team in the league. You know, they, they, they give up more points per game right now than any other team in the league. Uh, they, I think they're 28th in the league in guarding the three-point shooting. Teams are shooting almost, I think it's 41.3% or something like that against them from the three-point line. So if I were Luke, uh, that's what I'd be focusing on. Well, they can't guard the three. The they can't shoot the three. And it's 2018. That, that, that tends to be problematic. They yeah, also can't guard bigs. Uh, yeah, they've got they've got one big, and it's Javale McGee. Who you know, if you're, if he's playing past twenty minutes, that's a problem. I mean, it was just one game, but I'm going to tell you. So the other night, Javale McGee fouled out. Avitsia uh, Zubac uh, played five minutes, got five fouls, and a two way guy named Jonathan Williams, who I'm going to be honest, I'd never seen play before. Um, he, he played at Gonzaga, but I don't remember him at Gonzaga. Um, he actually did the best job dealing with the Marcus Aldridge. Yeah, he did all right. Huh. Um, okay. And, you know, tonight they have DeAndre Ayton. And tomorrow they have Nikola Jokic, who mm. may oh, score I saw him Sunday 50. night. I saw him Sunday yeah, night. Yeah, Jackie, so, uh, real quick, yeah. uh, he played one of the... It was an amazing game. It was the yeah. amazing game I've ever seen in a long time. They shot 13%, guys, in the first quarter. 13%, I will say it again. And I'm looking at, I was with my daughter and my husband, actually. I was, I was a fan in the stands watching that game. And I'm like, this is the worst performance I've ever seen. Until then, Steph and, and Kevin Durant went on to miss like every shot they took, too. So they shoot 13% in the first quarter and still beat the Golden State Warriors on a block at the end of the game by Jokic. And I watched Jokic a lot, and I watched Jamal Murray a lot. Jamal Murray had a just a nightmarish game. He was in foul trouble the whole game. I think he finished 0 for 9 from the floor. Missed a lefty layup that could have, you know, sealed the game. Missed a free throw that could have sealed the game. He just had one of those nightmarish games. But Jokic, you, you look at him, and you watch him, and you think, well, he can't guard this guy. He's too lumbering. He's awkward. But he does. He's a much – what I've decided – and I didn't see him enough in person last year. I think he's a better defensive player than we give him credit for. That's my conclusion. Or or he's improved. The block, though, was Juancho uh, Hernan Gomez. That was yes. He was the one who had the block at the end of the game. But, no, look, like Dirk, for most of his career, was a a decent team – or at least the, the prime of Dirk's career, I should say, was a was a solid team defender. He was, I mean, obviously, he was never going to be a great one-on-one defender. Uh, teams are always going to try to target him, and, and that's what that's what Jokic has to be. But man, that I mean, last night was the first time they've given up 100 points in a game this year. <laughs> the Denver yeah. Nuggets of all, and, and this crazy, you know, scores exploding all across the league. The Denver Nuggets have turned into a defensive juggernaut, and you know, healthy Paul Millsap sure as heck uh, has helped. But I think that you know, a guy like Jokic is. Like I said, with Dirk, if you're if you're smart enough and and work hard enough at it, you know you can have physical limitations and still be a solid team defender if the scheme's built to kind of try to mask your limitations. Um, yeah, so they get a night off tonight. They'll be waiting for the Lakers in L.A. and um, Jokic tomorrow. I just think the Lakers' big defense is just as much of a problem. I asked Lamarcus Aldridge after the game. Um, whether or not he thought that he had an advantage just because of the Lakers bigs. And he gave a egotistical, if, um, if sort of deflecting answer, if that can be, mm-hmm. he said, I thought he, I feel like I have an advantage every night. So, um, but yeah. you know, I, Aldridge had 37 
And I don't even think he played a very good game. I mean, I've seen him play a lot no. better. He's, he missed a lot of shots. So there's a remarkable story uh, on the Players' Tribune today written by Darius Miles. Um, I haven't even gotten all the way through it yet. I wish I was trying to get through it, but uh, Darius is telling a lot of stories. So I thought I would tell uh, a story, my Darius Miles story. I covered him for a year with the Cavs. And um, even though this is laughable, um, and this just tells you kind of where the Cavs were when LeBron first got there, they decided he was going to be the point guard, even though he's like 6'9 and uh, didn't have any ball skills. So they they work him in, the, in point guard through uh, a sp- uh, training camp. Back then, you know, they had eight tra- uh, uh, preseason games, and it was just a disaster. He was turning the ball over. He was throwing it out of bounds. He just was terrible. And so right, like, the day before the first game of the season, they decide, you're not going to be the point guard, Darius. Uh, LeBron's going to be the point guard. So I went to Darius, and I asked him, um, hey, uh, were you disappointed that, you know, because he lost his starting job. He was going to have to come off the bench with that. I said, were you disappointed that you didn't, you know, get to keep playing point guard? And he goes, you know, I'm disappointed, but I, I really wish that they would have, um, uh, you know, let me know earlier in the summer that I was going to be point guard so I could have worked on some point guard skills over the summer and been more ready, which was a really good answer. And I said, well, what type of skills do you think that you would have uh, worked on? And he said, and I want to emphasize, this was a straight face, 100% honest answer. He said, like, not looking down when I dribble. Oh, dear. <laughs> NBA so, player who was almost a starting point guard in the NBA. I like, can not add looking to down story. Dribble. Okay. I have my own, my own Darius Miles encounter, Brian. Okay. The 2000 McDonald's High School All-American game was in Boston, Massachusetts, back when it was called the Fleet Center. Yes. And Darius Miles played in that game. Um, the, the MVP was Zach Randolph, by the way, in that game. All right. And um, Darius Miles was all that, right? He was all that. And Eddie Griffin played in that game, too, and Gerald oh, Wallace. Man. I'm sure there were others, but those are the ones I remember. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Luke Rigner. I can never say his name. Luke Ridnow. There you go. I said it. So anyway, I'm talking to this, this hotshot, Darius Miles, who I talked to for 15 minutes, and he knows everything. He knows it all. And I turned to one of the GMs that was there and said, this kid will never make it. Never. <laughs> because he, the entitlement, the, the un, the, he had no awareness of what it takes to be an elite athlete in the NBA. He was going to, if he said three times, he said it 10 times about his God-given talent. And when I hear that one time, I get nervous. When I hear it twice, I'm like, ooh. When I hear it three times, I'm like, okay, man. Now, you hope after a year, you, you get humbled and you learn. That dude didn't learn. And I can tell you from that game, the way he played, and he played, played you know, he played fine, but just he, he didn't have the, an NBA body. And people were asking about how he's going to develop the NBA body. Remember him? He was so slender, right? Oh, man. Brian, oh, so, man. Like, like a toothpick. Nothing. And, uh, and I remember thinking, just, you know, wow, no shot for this guy. I didn't want to be right, but it was pretty evident. Um, all right. Well, that was story time brought to you by no one yet. But speaking of that, McMahon, I watched the, the, the Rockets twice. Uh, Harden looks phenomenal, um, I think. But... There's a missing mojo there. Um, that team last year, they just had such a confidence about them. I don't know. It's really early. I don't want to make any assumptions, but it just it it doesn't feel the same around them right now. Well, and look, there's a few things here. One, they thought losing Ariza, plugging him in with Ennis, you know, would be a reasonable facsimile. That that has you know the early. Uh, and very, very early. The the early results indicate that's not nearly the case. And now Ennis is hurt, and he's going to be uh, he's out at least tonight. Um, you know, the Pelicans just absolutely shredded them. The Rockets were like just making bust after bust after bust uh, on the defensive end. 
Then now you got CP3 suspended. Um, you know, Jeff Bezdelic, the defensive guru, associate head coach, leaving the week before training camp has kind of thrown him for a loop. Luke Mba Mute, they missed. Last year, as great as they were offensively, the fact they ranked sixth in defensive efficiency, jumping up from 18 the year before, that's what vaulted them into best record in the league status. If they, if they fall back to defensive mediocrity, they're still a good team. But they're not a contender. Can, can I ask you something real quick before you go on? Um, did you think that the that Mike D'Antoni and also therefore his coaching staff would get a contract extension this off season? They did. They did. Yeah, it, it was it was late. Oh no, it was. I'm sorry. They picked up an option, not the extension. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Like. Um, I'm not sure that everything's kumbaya with all that. Yeah, well, look, you know, if we're, if we're being real honest, it's not like Dan Tony uh, is the guy who said, "Hey, let's bring Mello in." I mean, he's kind of like, "Okay, you know, we'll, we'll we'll try to make it work," and that's off to a, a sputtering start. Mello has very reluctantly accepted this reserve role. You know, he's not he's not rocking the boat. I don't think but- he's accepted it at all. I think he's tolerated it. Right. That, like I said, very reluctantly is, is, is a polite way to put it. Tolerate it, but you know, he's, and he ain't getting buckets, you know, so it's like if Mello's not getting you buckets, he's not helping you. So that's, that's not working. Um, and the other thing, honestly, this is a team that won 65 games last year that, as they keep saying over and over again, was within a Chris Paul hamstring, they feel, of winning a championship. And I think it's just kind of hard for them to get geared up for the regular season. Um, but, you know, if, if, if they don't at some point, they're not going to have home court advantage, at least probably in the second round. I mean, they're going to have to, they're going to have to, uh, start playing at some point here. But I, I yeah, do I mean, think there's I, a little bit They're going to win a, a ton hangover. of games. I just remember from the outset last year, they came just roaring out of the gate and you could just tell. They were a team on a mission. I know that sounds cliche, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, just being around them for a few days, being in their locker room. And look, Saturday night, it was, it was rough. They won that game and it was a, it was a, it was an important win. They did not want to go 0 and 2. Right. And, um, they lost Chris Paul in a, in a one possession game. Uh, I think it was one possession at that moment where they lost Chris Paul and, you know, they, they rallied home. They got stops down the stretch. Um, you know, it was a it was a moment where you would smile, but there was not many smiles in that locker room because after well, no. it happened there. Yeah, because they knew. And look, I, I I thought personally the suspensions were light. I mean, that was that was a, you know as, as much of a well, fight that's as we've one of the seen things, in the NBA in some time. I thought that's one know, of the things that Rondo. So Rondo it was irritated about Chris Paul getting fewer games, and there are, you know, last year during Tunnel Gate. And I remember, like, Kiki Vandeweghe gave a press conference, uh, the, the disciplines are in the league right now, Kiki Vandeweghe, where he said they talked to 10 eyewitnesses or whatever, and, you know, Chris Paul was a peacemaker, not an instigator. And I, I have no reason to believe that's not true. I want to be clear. I believe that to not be true. But there were people in the league who rolled their eyes saying, oh, well, yeah. they just let Chris Paul off the hook here. And James and so Harden. He, he, yeah, and avoided suspension. And so – Part of what Rondo was saying there is, you know, um, you know, he got away. It, it by the way, it cost him five hundred thousand dollars those two game suspensions. Nah, um, he'll he'll so, still be able to make his mortgage payment. I know. I'm just saying, and that's that, irrelevant. Uh, and it's irrelevant how I, I saw somebody else on Twitter. See, I do I do see Twitter. Like I did see Daryl Morey's pot and the kettle, black pot and kettle. Yes, I love. But by the way, that's so, some defense of Chris Paul. That's like saying, yeah, he's a bad teammate, but so are you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's just whatever. Well, and, and by the way, down. my bad teammate, I would say not an easy teammate over the course of his career. That necessarily right. mean you're bad. Maybe Big Baby Davis need to be getting called out on a daily basis, just as an example. Right, right. But uh, look, okay, Chris Paul got two. I think that's fair. He got spit on and punched in the face. What's he going to do? Like, look, yeah, but he, he threw, threw a punch. punch. He threw a punch. They both should have suspended, in my opinion, a minimum of five games. And Jackie, if more. if David Stern was the commissioner, what would the, oh, what would the suspension be? Ten games. Be? 
10 well, years. Well, eight with suspension. So here's, here's the thing, guys. If you land a punch and it's damaging, and I mean, we don't need to bring up Rudy Tomjanovich again, I, right. I don't think. But if you land a punch, if, like, let's just say Rondo, you know, Paul pushed him, and then Rondo cold cocked Chris Paul and broke his jaw. What would the expense, what, and what would the suspension been? And my point is, it should be the same, regardless of whether you broke a guy's jaw or just hit him anyway. Shouldn't it be the same? Well, and I the one honestly, the one I was shocked about, Ingram only getting four games shocked me because he started the whole thing with a completely unnecessary push, and then he comes flying in from half court, throwing haymakers from behind. Right. And that also, was, he I, I squared thought, up on the ref. A, yeah, I thought that was yeah. a 10-game suspension minimum for him. But look, it's a kinder, gentler league office under Adam Silver. Now, if David Stern was in this conversation and he was you know, somehow drugged so he could speak freely, he would probably tell you that 15 and 20 years ago that the league was fighting a bit of a stigma. Yeah. Right, an and problem, and right. that was one of the reasons why they put the dress code in, and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the league, with its fan base, is a lot more on the same wavelength now than then. And I don't think there had to be a message delivered or whatever. Um, so th- it's not just that Adam Silver is just a nice guy. I think there's a different time and place. Having well, said Adam that, Silver, Adam Silver was involved in all that stuff. Brian Adam for Silver sure. worked for the league when Malice right. Palace happened, for sure. which is their for sure. which is their eternal worst nightmare. Um, because when yes, I went to the stands and fans, that's your worst nightmare. I was at the press conference. It happened to be before a Knicks game at the Madison Square Garden when Stern announced the suspensions for yep. the Mouse of the Palace. It was the most out of all the somber moments I was at David Stern press conferences over over the years. It was the most. Uh, he had no color in his face. He was very very upset. It was a, it was a very difficult yeah. time. Um, well, and he the destroyed league. the Indiana Pacers, destroyed them. They're completely, they and that was a team that could have won the championship, and instead he yeah. set them back five, six years. With the and the league was there. at a time post-Jordan where the TV ratings were struggling. Literally the TV rating. I mean, they were getting um, eight, nine million people viewing finals games. And, you know, in recent years they've had 25, 30 million. So that just just tells you, even in an era where it's way more fragmented and people are cutting the cord, et cetera, uh, just think I, I about just, that. I don't want to go back to Malice's Palace too much, but there was one great little detail. And I don't know who did the interview with Stern for our project the, with the book and the film, um, but he was in his bathrobe making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich when that happened. I love that detail. He was in his Where were you, Jackie? Where were you? I was watching the game. I was watching the game at home, and I, you know what I remember most was Larry. You talked about David Stern's color being drained from his face at the press conference. I just remember Larry Brown. Remember he was talking on the on the the, uh, the he had a microphone. He was asking everybody to just stop, and the look in his face, the look of just yeah. horror and dismay in his face. That that's what I remember that very very vividly. Yeah, um, so it was a national, so it's just time and place. It was a national TV game, it was a TNT game. Because the, the Pacers and, um, and Pistons had just had an epic seven game conference final series. I was in Atlanta, right. the, the Cavs were playing the next day in Atlanta. I was watching the game, but I took a phone call and I put the uh, game on mute and it's all oh. going down and I got my back to it because oh, the game was kind of over. Uh, the Pistons yeah. or the Pacers had won, and all of a sudden the guy I'm talking to says, "Have you, by the way, you seen this brawl that's going on?" And I turned around, but I missed it. I missed like the, the bulk of it. But I, um, I called but Brandon Don Ingram. Bar. I called Don yeah. Star at home and said, "Are you watching this? the sports editor of no. the, uh, right, the Boston, uh, Globe. Boston yeah. Globe?" Yeah, and he said, "No." I said, "You need to turn this on. This is going to be a really big story." Really well, big story. Brandon Ingram coming running in, throwing a fist like that. Um, only four, and even even he admitted it. Like, you know, Mike D'Antoni had to yeah. mount a defense of Chris Paul, even though they had to be, they had to accept two games. You yeah. know, everybody had to complain. You know, Rondo has to complain. Uh, well, Chris Paul got fewer games, but Brandon Ingram was like, "I can't believe one of them got four games." Right. <laughs> yeah, he was stunned. He, he was the oh, one guy who told the truth. Well, <laughs> I love Rondo. D'Antoni. I love D'Antoni right after the game, though, Tim, because he was like, 
I wasn't going in there. I'm not mistaken. No, right. That. And, and you know, and he said what he said is true. Hey, this stuff happens. And he's right. It does. Now you don't the punches don't happen normally. But this yakety yakit and pushing and shoving and you're probably even spitting, guys, if we're if we if we really get down to it. It really isn't as unusual as, as I don't as know. We I think. feel like I feel like the spit's pretty extreme and like Rondo was very slick about that, very sly. It was a, you know, it was kind of a no-look spit uh, sort of thing. I mean, it, it took just the right uh, camera angle, and he would claim special effects, but whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do love Rondo complaining. You? Yeah, Rondo, like Rondo, you spit in the man's face and then landed the first two punches, and you're complaining you only you got a whopping three games? Are you kidding right. me? The Lakers are really fortunate because if they had lost Rondo, you know, let's just say, forget about, you know, I heard some crazy, look, he should be getting 25 games. Let's just say that Ingram had gotten 10 games. Like, I don't, if Ingram had gotten 10 games, let's just say Ingram got eight games. Let's say he was doubled. Let's say Rondo got six and Ingram got eight. That would really put the, I mean, I already think the Lakers are now going to be operating from behind the eight ball because I think they're looking at like a one in four, one in five start. And in the Western Conference, that's just going to be an uphill fight. Um, they're they're going to be they're going to be fighting that start for for a month or so. But think if the Lakers got lucky to that Rondo and those guys and Ingram weren't down longer. That's two starters, and and they were you know going to rookies and two way guys you know in their first mm-hmm. game without those guys. Yeah, um, and and they still should have won. And LeBron bricking those free throws, boy, that uh, talking about behind you know eight ball. Uh, so th- I saw on, on the on the jump yesterday, they had some stats the last couple of years, clutch free mm-hmm. throws. LeBron has been like 50-50. 48%, um, I think it was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if that's the case, then why does he ask for the ball? Like in that – when that foul happened, he basically stood in the corner, got the ball, and waited for the foul. I think he's like, oh, I got to be the guy to take him. Right. You know, if you – you know, he, he needs to go to somebody else. They need to run – you know, it, it's almost right. like – you know, this was a, a Cavs fans and you know some of the analytics writers. Uh, Tom Haverstrow wrote about this um, once. LeBron always took the technical free throws. Yeah. Well, Kyrie some years Irish LeBron was taking it. Yeah. Right, <laughs> another another thing on Kyrie's complaint list. You know, Kyrie shoots ninety yeah, percent. There were years where LeBron was with Kyrie where he was under seventy percent. There was one year I think he was under seventy percent. And, you know, LeBron's like, I'm taking this free point. Well, you know, it's not as good of a shot. Well, um, what's crazy, yeah. though, is LeBron will step into a pull-up three that they need to send it in overtime. There's no problem. I mean, how many clutch shots and game winners did he hit during the playoffs last year, but he can't make free throws with the game on the line? And that but was a hell know. of a shot. I mean, yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? Like, over, over the body of the game, my goodness, they don't even have a prayer in hell if LeBron James doesn't play the way he did. Right. He had a very quiet first half. He looked like he was – Stiff, little, didn't look like he was in the flow of the game. The second half, he took over that game. I'm looking um, at the speaking of shooting percentage thus far of the Lakers, just for argument's sake. Looks like our, our boy Contavious Caldwell Pope is shooting 83% to date. LeBron's at 77%. That's his career um, which, average. That's actually a little yeah, that's what he is. Kuzma's the same. Uh, I mean, I don't know what their career average is. I'm just looking at it so far. Lonzo Ball is a 75% free throw shooter so far this year. Andrew, you told me a very sad story. Uh, recently, um, you you just moved in LA for the first time in like years, right? Since like college, it's been a long time since I've moved, and I've now since moved again. Oh my gosh, that's that's <laughs> those are details I don't even have. And so, like, you missed a couple of Sunbasket orders because. There is just this crossover in the in the addresses, and you're sad because you haven't been getting your sun basket. I don't want to alarm anyone, but I haven't eaten because I haven't gotten my sun baskets. That's the only thing I live off of for nourishment. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you live off the Staples Center media room food, you're not going to last very much longer because it's not strong. It's going to be uh, – I had ate there three straight nights this week, and there was a lot of – uh, waving the white flag and going for the uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because um, it was a, it was a rough go. Um, but you need to get your Sun Basket reset up because Sun Basket makes it easy and convenient to cook healthy, delicious meals at home, no matter how much experience you have in the kitchen. And uh, I don't think you've got that much experience in the kitchen, Andrew. 
No, um, I, there I have are, no experience. You don't even go in your kitchen. I, um, I don't because I don't have sun baskets right now. That's it's sad. Right. <laughs> there are 18 weekly recipes to pick from with options from paleo, gluten-free, lean and clean, vegan, diabetes-friendly, and more. You can mix and match depending on your personal nutritional needs. Um, you can also skip the grocery store because some basket ships fresh organic produce and responsibly raised meats and seafood directly to your door. If they know where your door is, um, can't blame them for this one, Mr. Han. I think that one's on you. Um, each meal is ready to whip up in as little as 15 minutes and it's delivered pre-portioned so that you've got all the nutritional ingredients that you need. So go to sunbasket.com slash hoop today and learn more and get 35 bucks off your first order. That's sunbasket.com slash hoop to get 35 bucks off your first order today. And Andrew, you should go there and get your address, uh, correct, corrected. Um, you need it. You're, you're looking a little pale. You, uh, you need to, you need a healthy glow that I know you have when, when you're, you've got sunbasket. Uh, sunbasket.com slash hoop. Um, speaking of Kyrie, uh, the Celtics are two and two, which that doesn't really, I don't really care about that. But what surprised me, and I haven't seen the numbers updated this morning, but as of yesterday, Jackie, and I know you've been on the road, you haven't been with them in the last few days, but, um, yeah. dead last in the league in offensive efficiency. Yes, um, but you know what? Four games, After, I know. but Right. Well, you know you know what's funny, though? I'm, this is what surprised me, Brian, um, according to team rankings, which I like. I like to look at team rankings. Defensive efficiency, they are now number one ahead of Denver after last night. So that's if you ask Brad Stevens, he'll say, I'll live with it. Kyrie is shooting 14% from the three-point line. He's shooting 34% in just traditional field goals. Those numbers will not continue. It's been the most surprising thing to me about the slow start, and I expected it. I think everybody did around the team because you've got young guys that are pressing, like Jalen Brown and Rosier. They're pressing to get their minutes, you know, and they're they're oh, they're they're not playing freely the way they did last year when there was no pressure on them because they had no other choice but to play them, right? So those guys, you knew that was going to happen. You knew that Hayward, it was going to take him time, not only physically but mentally, because he continues after almost every game because people ask him. To say, yeah, it's still on my mind. So we know that's going to take some time. And of course we should know that it's going to take Kyrie a little time to get round back into form. But I've, I've seen a lot. I've seen, you know, I've seen two of the four games anyway. And, uh, his shooting stroke is fine. It's not like he's clanging them off. They're just rolling off. So that's the most surprising part to me to the slow start is Kyrie's uh, shooting percentages. I just didn't, I didn't anticipate them being so poor. I thought it was interesting that Brad Stevens uh, said yesterday, "Oh, the, the Raptors are, are are the best team right now." Oh, that's yeah. just mess. That's just messing with the Raptors' heads. But by the way, he's right. He's right at this yeah. exact moment. We'll see a month from now. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say: uh, Hayward is shooting. God, so, it feels so strange to be talking about any sort of trend at this point. And I the know. It's so, so early. So early. But Hayward is shooting the three pointer well. He's not shooting yeah, he a high is. volume of them, but he's shooting the three pointer well, which I think. Um, see it, um, right, but um, see the um, mental part comes when you get into traffic, right? And he's a good mm-hmm. player in traffic, and that's the that's the mental hurdle that, and he will get past it. It's just going to take some time. They're going to be fine. The Celtics will be okay. I, th- I actually think, in a way, this is good for them. I mean, losing at home to Orlando that should be a real kick in the posterior to every single one of them. That if you really think you're going to be a contending team, you have to show up every night, not some nights. You can't take turns showing up. You've all got to show up every night. Well, speaking of that, Tim, up your alley, uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell, um, not off to a blazing start this season. The Jazz, not off to a blazing start this season. Um, I did pull up his numbers here. Let me see. Um, he is shooting just 34% so far, uh, averaging 19 points, but um, on 20 field goal attempts a game, three more yeah. than he averaged last year. Um, his efficiency way down, assists down. Um Again, we're talking percentage down. We're talking three, games. three game sample size, and right. uh, he's, all, he's 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 off to a little bit of a rocky start. Is all I'm no saying. No question, no question. And look, last year, <laughs> I'll say this: it's an improvement over his first three games from last year. <laughs> you know, his, okay, his rookie fair, season, fair his rookie season got off to a horrible start. And what's crazy is, you know, I mean, God, it was just a, a dud, and like. We're, these scores are exploding, but let the Grizzlies and Jazz play, and we go back into the mid nineties. I mean, it's just bad. Ugh. <laughs> it was. What was the final of that game? It was like, like ninety-seven, eighty-four, or something. Right. I mean, just ugh, like that. It's a third quarter score, you know. 
But, I mean, I was at their game against the Warriors, and Donovan didn't shoot the ball well. He, he went 0 for 7 uh, in the fourth quarter. But, man, what a, what a game that was. Uh, and, you know, I mean, one, the Jazz had 47 points in the second quarter, 81 points in the first half. And Jonas Jarebko, the one guy the Jazz don't bring back off of last year's team, beats them <laughs> uh, with, a, with a tip in at the buzzer. So, you know, they're, they're obviously sitting at one and two, but, you know, they're, they're a, a play away from uh, obviously looking a lot better. And, again, this is – they they do they have the, I think the toughest schedule though through November so they might not get off to a great start but I'll say this I bet they won't be nine games under five hundred uh, in late January like they were last year. God, I forgot well, about their that. Was it really bad. that bad? Was they were nine? Yeah, they were, were they nine they were, games under five hundred? They were nine games under five hundred, and then Gobert got back from injury, and then that's when they went on that tear. Right. Uh, from like well, I think it was January twenty fourth on, they went oh, on that tear uh, where they had. Yeah, where they were just dominant the rest of the season. But no, Jackie, I think you, you were going to say defensively. defensively. Yeah, they're uh, now, obviously, obviously, you know, against the Grizzlies, they held them to 92. They just couldn't put the, a ball in the ocean. Um, but, you know, they got, I think they kind of got, they got, first of all, the Kings are scoring. But uh, I think they kind of showed up to Sacramento sleepwalk and they blew them out in the last regular season game. I think they kind of felt like if they tied their shoes, they'd be fine. And the Kings. Scored a bunch of points. The Jazz had to come back to win that one. And then, you know, you give up 123 to the Warriors when KD and Steph are both shooting the ball well. That's going to happen. Um, you can get analytic nerdy, though, and say, hey, the Jazz are uh, forcing teams to take a bunch of, of mid-range shots. They're, they're allowing among the fewest threes and, uh, you know, shots at the rim in the league. So, you know, process-wise – uh, they're looking pretty good. Just the results haven't weren't great in the first two games. But it, look, if we're being honest, they've got Rudy Gobert in that system. They're going to be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if I, they they obviously need Donovan to get rolling though. If they're going to be a fifty plus win team, like I, I think a lot of people expecting them to be going in the season. Well, can we, can we uh, just talk for one second about Doe Ingles? <laughs> yeah. That's just the greatest thing. I love he just it. keeps getting better. And he tells people, I'm the the greatest shooter in the league. The straight face, right after Steph, right? Wasn't Didn't he say it right after he had played Steph? Or was it right no, before? right before. Right before. Right before. So hey. that to me is just awesome. I love I love the positive self-talk. And I looked him up. His effective field goal percentage is 72% right now. It's pretty good. That's 73. Yeah. Give, him the, give him the round it up. I always go. round down, Brian. I always um, round down. I would so like so to do that, too. His effective field goal percentage is 72.5%. Agreed. That's why we're happy. I agree. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, all right. Well, um, all of that just one week in. Who knows what we'll be talking about one week uh, from now. Um, but thank you, uh, Jackie, especially coming in. Uh, I know you got in very late last night coming in from L.A. Thank you, Tim. Enjoy the jazz game tonight. And I wonder if I'll be able to stay awake for the end of that Lakers-Suns game. I'm betting against it. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you uh, next week. Adios, amigos. Bye, guys.